Welcome to The Mend, a podcast to learn about services and support for victims and survivor of crime, sponsored by the Center for Crime Victim Services here in Vermont. I am Anna Nasset, and I will be the host for this bi-monthly podcast and show. On the show today, I am honored to have Walter Cotley, Coltley and Mark Wenberg from the St. Joseph's Orphanage Restorative Justice Inquiry. The show was created to tape a deeper look at services, organizations, concepts, and voices of victims and survivors of crimes. We wanna acknowledge our healing process and also provide resources, not only here in the state of Vermont, but throughout the country as well for wherever you're listening at. I always like to begin with a trigger warning. We occasionally have to have conversations that are hard to hear. And I always ask people to listen at their own discretion as we share our stories, our voices, and our healing process. Today, as I said, I am so honored to have Walter and Mark here to discuss the important work of the St. Joseph's Orphanage Restorative Justice Inquiry. The St. Joseph's Orphanage Restorative Inquiry seeks to understand and document the events of the orphanage through the voices, experiences, and stories of those most impacted, the former children of the orphanage. The restorative inquiry will then facilitate inclusive process of accountability, amends making, learning, and changes. The St. Joseph's Orphanage Restorative Inquiry is an initiative with the Burlington Community Justice Center, a division of the Community and Economic Development Office, CEDO, of the City of Burlington. Walter is a former child of the St. Joseph's Orphanage and has been bravely using his voice. And Mark is a community facilitator of the restorative process and working with the former children of the orphanage. Thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you, thank you. So I'd love to just start by letting you two share what you want um, about the history of the orphanage and how this restorative justice process came into being. You want to go first, Mark? Oh, I want you to go first, Walt. Of course you would. You jerk. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to first of all tell you how to pronounce my name. Thank you. My name is Cole T. Cole Just T. Like it says, right. Um, I was born in 1945, just after the German surrender. I was put in St. Joseph's in April of 1953, and I left there in the latter part of 1959. So I was there for quite a few years. Uh, as far as I know, there are only two other survivors left who are older than I am. Uh, one of them lives in Arizona and the other one lives in Miami, Florida. Uh, other than that, I think I'm the third person in line left of the generation of St. Joseph's. Uh, I come from a broken home. Uh, my mother remarried a man and he turned out to be a alcoholic and abusive and whatever. And he convinced my mother, who was a little Italian lady and was a staunch Catholic, that it would be better if she put my sister and I somewhere where they could, he could fix the house up and get things ready for a bigger family. Well, it turned out that he never did any of that, of course. It was just all crap. And so my sister in April of 1953 left 
Searsburg, Vermont, which is just up the road from where I'm living now. And we were picked up by Father John Glancy, who at that time was the head of the diocese of the Eastern Seaboard for the Catholic Church. And he brought us to St. Joseph's and said, I told my mother, they'll be well cared for, they'll be this, they'll be that. And actually it turned out to be a horror show. Uh, there were many, many things that went on in there. Uh, I don't know how much you want to hear, but there were many things that went on in there who today, if these things happened, people would get locked up. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, it was strictly child abuse. Uh, there were children there in there all the way from babies up to 18 years old. And every single one of them, as far as I know, were abused in some form or another. Uh, the attorney general's office in the state of Vermont did an investigation in there. And simply because of the time limits, uh, there could be no prosecutions, first of all. Second of all, most of the people who were there and did the abusing are now dead. Put it simply. You know, when I was in there, they were probably in their, the youngest one that I remember was in her 20s, but all the rest were in their 40s or 50s. So they're no longer around. So there's nobody to prosecute. Uh, the only thing we can possibly do, which is what our group does and what Mark does, is try to keep this from happening again. No child should ever have this happen to them, not a single one. Uh, the people of, of your listeners, the people of the state of Vermont, the people of Burlington, excuse me, should all be aware that this should never, ever happen again. Uh, you know, people have to take control of their own surroundings. Uh, people went by that building for years and years and years. I talked to people that went by there for 30 years, every day, twice a day. Never even considered what was going on in that building. Had absolutely no idea, and I don't even think, think they cared. You know, to them, it was just a building, and they knew there was children in there. But I guess in those days, nobody ever investigated. Uh, back in the 50s, the world was going through a renaissance. Everybody was happy. The world, the war was over. People were prosperous and nobody ever cared about that little old building on North Avenue. But there were some awful things going on in there. I mean, children were abused to the point where, you know, today you would just say, God, you know, we got to take care of those people. We got to arrest those people and throw them in jail and blah, 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 blah. Nobody ever bothered. I never once saw in all the years I was there, I never saw a welfare worker. I never saw a, uh, uh, a person come from uh, health and welfare or none of that. I never saw anybody come in there and check on one child. Uh, I never saw any parent any adult associated with any child ask a question of, you know, is my child all right? Or never ask a question of the child. You know, right. never ask the child, are you all right? Is everything okay? Never. Because people just assume because it was a Catholic institution 
and it was being run by the Catholic diocese and it was being overseen by Catholic nuns that everything was okay. Well, let me tell you, everything was far from being okay. Children on a daily basis were being beaten. Uh, they were being subject to uh, uh, things that normal people can't even think of today. You know, uh, children were being burned with matches. Uh, you know, children were being to, to, made to eat their own vomit off the floor. Uh, and all of this stuff went on in there. Uh, I, I said it in one of our meetings and it kind of upset one of the other fellows because he was there at a later time period than I was. And I said at the meeting that when I was there, homosexuality was rampant on the boys' side in this building. And he took offense to that because apparently when he was there later on, it wasn't. But it was when I was there. So I had to say that. Uh, you know, I, I, I have to move off from that because it, it begins to upset me after a period of time. I'm 75 years old now and I can't afford to be upset. Uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. I have to give Mark credit. Mark keeps me grounded in as much as he can. Uh, we have Rachel Jolly. Rachel's, I tell Rachel she's the boss. And, and Mark, oh, Amy, yeah. we have Amy Farr. Amy is like my angel. You know, Amy's I, my angel too. Huh? Amy's also my angel. She is. Amy, yes. She up here and talk to me for two hours when she knows I'm upset about something. You know, oh. I mean, Amy is a, is a sweetheart. Uh, and Mark is Mark. You know, we have our differences and we don't always agree, but we work it out, you know? Yeah. Your turn, Mark. Talk to the lady. <laughs> Thanks, Walt. Thank you so much for sharing, Walt. I really appreciate just your your transparency. And um, I think this is a really important conversation for people well, to hear. You gotta tell it like it is. Yep, I you agree. Know, tell it like it is. So yeah, I'll turn this over to Mark and um, to kind of fill in like how this restorative justice process started and yeah, whatever you feel like sharing. Thanks, Anna. And uh, Walt said some things that I think are really important uh, to double back to. The first is, um, you know, a, a traditional criminal justice process, which is what, you know, the attorney general and the, and the task force, uh, the St. Joseph's Orphanage Task Force, which was a, a basically a group of stakeholders, uh, many of whom will come from a law enforcement perspective and background, conducted an investigation into the orphanage. That investigation was launched by an, uh, an article in the media, uh, a BuzzFeed article, a couple of years back, uh, which documented many of the, the horrors and the abuses that, that Walter referenced by um, Christine Keneally. Uh, and so uh, that article launched an investigation and the th the an investigation is to see, uh, try and document what, what crimes are committed and if, if possible to prosecute those crimes. At the same time, the state of Vermont realized that uh, uh, regardless of a, an accountability to laws, 
we do have a collective accountability to people such as Walter who went through that institution and, and as, as he said, were dropped off and forgotten. Uh, and, and so our process, the restorative inquiry process, which has about a total of 30 folks who participate, 15 who participate on a weekly basis, essentially, um, we meet uh, to hear and facilitate the requests of this group of survivors uh, because we're accountable to them. And so accountability in this case looks like uh, facilitating their specific requests of us and of the state uh, and of Catholic uh, dioceses and charities uh, and, and to do our best to facilitate them achieving those goals. So Walter laid out a larger goal about ensuring that this never happens to any child present and or future. And so the group has said, decided that they want to uh, change some legislation. And so we facilitated a meeting between the group and a group of legislators from Chittenden County who are now working on some potential legislation that at least begins the process of closing those loopholes that allow this abuse to take place and go um, without justice for such a long time. Uh, the group has uh, put together some hopes and aspirations for children who are currently in state care. And so we facilitated a meeting between the group and, uh, and staff, central office staff from the Department of Children and Families. So the group can share their experiences and share their perspectives on how the state can, can ensure what, what happened to them never happens again. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's an ongoing dialogue. Um, the group has asked that there be a memorial created, some type of memorial or healing space. So we're working with the Burlington Parks and Recreation Department uh, and, we've, and that process is rolling. Basically, the group has outlined a series of goals that they have as part of this, this project. And our role as members of the community and as facilitators of restorative process is to do our best to help them achieve those goals. Uh, and I should also note, that this project, in addition to, to your, this, this podcast coming out, coming from the Center for Crime Victim Services, this project is currently funded also by the same center, by the Vermont Center for Crime Victim Services, so. Wonderful. Um, I really love that, you know, I'm familiar with the restorative justice process and, you know, I love that, you know, for us as survivors, we, we, we want to use our voice to change. Like Walt said, like, we don't want this to happen again. Like it happened to us. We don't want these things to continue to happen to others. Um, what has that process been like for you, Walt, to be part of this inquiry? How has that, has it helped with your healing as you have moved um, through that? To be perfectly honest with you, Anna, I have a problem with this whole restorative justice thing not because of the of what the group is doing what mark is doing whatever uh, i left i left in 1959 which when i was around 14 years old and over the course of my life i never really thought about it but everything i had learned in there i brought into my life as I was growing up, I got married, I had children, and I treated my children like I was treated in the orphanage without realizing that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Every time I sit down on a Friday, I don't know how many times I've said to my significant other that 
Uh, I got to stop this. I can't be doing this because every time I hear somebody's story or I see somebody on the meeting that I know what their story is, it bothers me. I mean, it really bothers me. Uh, it bothers me to the point where, and I haven't for 60 years. Now I have to go to therapy. Uh, my doctor has decided that therapy for me because of these conditions would be the best thing for me to do. I've never been to therapy in my life. I don't even know what's involved in it and I really don't care, but there's something about every time, you know, Mark talks to me or Amy talks to me. I think of myself as a 10 year old boy. And I think about all these little things that went on here and there and all over the place in there. And it really upsets me. And sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll be out here sitting in my chair and I'm thinking about that place. And Lorraine will come out and she'll read me the riot act and say, you just got to forget. Well, you know, you can't forget. And I don't want anybody else to forget either. Uh, so it really bothers me in a sense that if I, if, and I don't want to leave the group, I've grown to love all those people. Uh, believe it or not, Mark, I've grown to like you too. <laughs> Mark's a good dude. Uh, but I've grown to like all the people that are in there. Uh, some of them have become my friends. Uh, some of them call me home at home personally, and we discuss different things about the different time periods. Uh, like I said, I was there from 53 on. Uh, there was one fellow who's older than I was there from 43 to 50. And, you know, we talk about because of him and I, we basically went through the same things, you know, the same abuses and this and that. So, you know, I've grown to like all these people, but at the same time, it drives me absolutely crazy. It really does because every time, every Friday and every Friday afternoon, Lorraine says I become a different person because it's, it's, I'm thinking about all these things. I'm thinking about Sister Lewis Hector, Sister Mary Almeida. You know, I'm thinking about all these things they did when I was there. Uh, do I wish they were all in hell? Yeah, I wish I'd have helped them down. But I don't know. It, it's just, I really don't think that Mark's group or Mark and Amy and Rachel are helping me in the way that they think they're helping me. Uh, you know, they're helping me because I get all the stories from other people. But I'm not really too sure that they're, what they want to accomplish with me is being accomplished. Interesting. They try, they really do. But you can't climb in somebody's mind. And, and my, my thought is you, you can never know what I know. You know why? Because you weren't there. And that's what I tried to get across to Mark and Amy and Rachel. In as much as they feel towards us, you know, they feel the hurt that we have. They weren't there. Mm 
So they really don't know. They only know by what we give them, what we allow them to know. You know, I mean, I will say lately, most of my story has come out, but for a long time, I didn't tell anybody anything. Right. I didn't tell Mark, I didn't tell Amy, I didn't tell my kids anything. Uh, Lorraine's probably the only one that knows my whole story. Simply because I don't want them to know. And, and even if I told them, they still wouldn't know because they weren't there. You had to be there to know that if, if you were a child, you never know when the hand was going to come out and got you across the back of the head. Or you never know when somebody was going to walk up behind you with a ping pong paddle and pull your pants down and paddle you unless you were there. You never know that stuff. You know, I mean, I, I've been burned on my penis. I have scars on my back from where I was whipped. Nobody, whether it's the restorative justice people or you or whoever, would never know that stuff if you weren't there. You would never, you would never realize what it means to be so scared, so scared. Some of the kids were so scared they would wet themselves standing in the hall because they were so scared of the nun coming down the hallway going to get them. You know, people, people don't get that. And I, I've spoken to Mark about that, you know, about, about us not knowing, not knowing where we were going to get up in the morning or we were going to be dead. I mean, I've heard some of the girls talk about they've seen children killed there. And that's what that BuzzFeed article was about. Uh, I had an issue with that BuzzFeed article. The author of that article has become a friend of mine. Even though she lives in Australia, she calls me up every couple of weeks and we talk for an hour or so. Wow. And when I first met her, I was very indignant with her. And she couldn't figure out why. And I said to her, because I didn't like your article. The whole world loved her article because it was exposing St. Joseph's it was telling all this stuff about the children. And I said to her, because your article is wrong. Because you were very biased in your article. Because the, 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 the person who wrote the article was a lady author, for some reason or other, she was biased towards the girls in the orphanage. And I said to her, where are the boys in this article? If you read the article, there's very, very little in there about the boys. Mm. And yet there was more boys in there than there was girls. But because she was, a, 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 I think she admitted that she was wrong, that she had biased her story towards the girls. Uh, so she is writing another book and she's getting information from the boys side this time, not only Hi. from the girls. Good. Uh, Christine is a lovely woman. She really is. Uh, she has come to she has come to uh, one of the task force meetings. She came to our meeting when we answered the, the task force. And, and we have a lot of people around us like that, like Mark, like Amy, like Rachel, like Christine. We have a lot of people around us, but it still boils down to the fact you weren't there. You had to be there. 
to realize what a horror it was to live in that place. And I mean, it was a horror. You know, you had to, you had to be shut up in the attic. And in, in one of the years ago, before the place became a children's thing. And if you go look at the building today, you can still see it. It says up there, St. Joseph's Orphanage and a St. Asylum. Well, a lot of people don't know it was an insane asylum, what it was, but for old people. Well, up in the attic, they had little rooms with shackles on the walls where they used to tie the people up there, you know, because they didn't know what else to do with them. They didn't have therapy in those days or people that these, you know, mentally ill people could talk to. So they would bring them up in the attic and shackle them to the walls until they got quiet. They would bring the kids up there and do the same thing. They bring their children up there and they would shackle them to the walls. They would bring the children in these little closets. They had little closets all up and down the hallway going to the chapel. And they would throw a child in there and forget them. I mean, literally forget them. Jeez. And the child could be there anywhere from one, two, three days and they would forget them. That should never happen again, not anywhere. Not only in the state of Vermont, but anywhere. That should that is our biggest goal, I think, is to make sure as much as we can, though we kind of slipped up here recently, but as much as we can that that will never happen to another child. You know, and we're not only asking people, we're begging people to make sure that this never happens again. But not not 150 child, but one, not even one child. You know, that's exactly. my big goal. Uh, my other goal is I'd like to confront the Catholic Church. You know, even though the, the Catholic Church today is not the same people that were there years ago, but I'd like an apology from the Catholic Church. You know, back to you, Mark. Chat some more. Mark's really good at chatting. Has there, has there been any response from the Catholic Church? The Catholic Church... As far as I know, Mark is better equipped to answer that than I am. As far as I know, the Catholic Church, we have asked for our records, our health records, our school records, and the Catholic Church has put us off for the longest time. They kept saying that uh, as long as the investigation is going on from the Attorney General's office, we have nothing to say. Well, now that that's over, they still have nothing to say. Okay, it's my understanding that they may agree to pay for, for therapy for the, some of the people who think they need it. You know, that, that's my understanding. Mark knows more about that than I do. I believe he's been talking to the church. So you pretty much have to ask him that question. Give her the answer, Mark. Right, Over well, to you, Mark. Well, I just want to comment, uh, again, double back on a couple of things that Walt said. First is that um, one of the things that became clear to me when I first started doing this work, which is about two years ago, we've, we've been running now for almost two years. And when I first started meeting with folks like Walter, uh, is that um, the, the experience that experiences that you hear right now are, are often seen through the eyes of children because that's what's been carried forward. These are the memories and experiences that have been carried forward by children into their adult lives, all through their adult lives, and that the impact has con continued to, to manifest throughout much of their life, as Walt was saying. Mm -hmm. 
what he learned at the orphanage is what he brought into his adult life. The other thing I want to say is that, you know, one of the core principles of this project in this process is that each individual, each participant in the restorative inquiry owns their own healing journey, owns their own stories and owns their own healing journey. And all that we can do as a process is, is facilitate opportunities for the participants to figure out for themselves what that means and to decide for themselves if and when they want to participate. Uh, so it is, it is a completely voluntary process. I will say it's a fairly strong group process, which is not something that I, I realized at the beginning, but you know, one of the, the quote unquote silver linings of the pandemic is that we, prior to the, the arrival of the pandemic, we were meeting once a month as a group in person in Vermont. And starting in March of last year, we went to weekly Zoom meetings. And what that allowed was first of all, the, the building of, of connections the building of relationships between the participants themselves in a way that hadn't happened before. And then also it allowed for people from across the country who no longer live in Vermont to participate in this process. Mm -hmm. So on any given day, as Walt was saying, we have folks who come from uh, uh, Virginia, from, from Florida, from Connecticut, basically Utah, all wherever folks who landed who want to participate in this process, they can, they can join in. And it has created some really strong connections. It's not, as Walt has said, it's not as if we're, it's without conflict. There's always conflict when there's a group process, but I think the group has really figured out how to work through those conflicts and, and still stay connected and, and return to the fact that they have a shared experience that we do not have. Mm -hmm. As Walt says, they knew what happened there. It's, oh, oh, you can only understand in a very small way what happened by listening and, and, and being open to listen to these stories, which are um, compelling and impactful. Specific to the, to the Catholic diocese, as Walt was saying, basically prior to um, the, the completion, completion of the criminal justice investigation, they um, understandably said we can't participate. Uh, and then after the completion of the uh, criminal investigation, they say essentially they said, we don't necessarily see a need to participate at this point. So uh, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. I'll just speak as a facilitator of a restorative inquiry. There are a number of people, uh, participants in the group who, uh, I, who are making a very basic request. We wanna be able to sit down in a facilitated dialogue, share our experiences, let them know how we were impacted and ask them to make amends. Yeah. And then that is that is the essence of a restorative dialogue. I don't feel like it's a huge ask, but but um, another core principle of a restorative process is everyone, it's a voluntary process. So the, the Catholic diocese, the Catholic charities, they um, can decide not to participate. I, I think it's a huge missed opportunity. That's my, that's my take on it. I agree with that. Yeah, it seems like, you know, I mean, like you said, it's a very basic ask to sit in a room and to make those amends. And I think it's incredibly important for, for the long-term goal that Walt was saying of not having this happen to other children, you have to be able to step back and, and make the amends and understand and take accountability for the actions. So I hope that that's something the, the Catholic church um, reconsiders. I think that would be very good.
I, I hope so too. And, and you know, I know that that uh, again, it's not an it's not an easy thing to sit with the people who you impacted. With. And it's even it's even more. I don't think anyone in the group uh, says that the current bishop, who I don't even know if he was born at the time that many of these abuses took place, is directly responsible for what took place there. They do feel like the institution, as Walt says, owes them an apology. The bishop has said that he's, you know, I believe he has indicated that he's he's willing to meet one-on-one. It's not necessarily the same facilitate process. And, and I frankly haven't heard that directly from him. I've, I've only heard that through intermediaries, so. Very good. Well, I think that I'll be staying tuned to that. Um, we have just railed through the last 35, 40 minutes. Um, I'm wondering, you know, what else would you two like to share as we're starting to wind this down? Uh, Walt, you've just given so much of your, your voice and your time today, and I'm really grateful for you sharing your story. Is there anything else you'd like listeners to know as we're closing down today? Well, I've grown old. Well, Lorraine says I'm not old, but I got news for it. Um, as a bitter old man. And I'm not really sure if it's the orphanage that has caused me to grow like this and getting towards the end of my life to be like this. Uh, but I'm pretty sure they had something to do with it because my whole life, I learned how to work through the orphanage because they made you work. I learned how I'm a self-educated man uh, simply because they made you learn. You didn't have a choice. If you didn't learn, you got beat. So you learned. Uh, I raised my family as they raised me, which I now know was wrong. I'm estranged from two of my daughters because they don't understand their father. But their father is a strict disciplinarian. They can't tell me what to do at 75 years old, though they worry about me and they want me to be happy and whatever. So I took a lot from the orphanage, good and bad. Uh, I'm probably one of the few people that will tell you that there were some good that came out of St. Joseph's. Uh, if we had more time to speak about it, I could tell you. But my whole life has been controlled by what I learned in that place, my whole life. The way I live, the way I work, the way I speak to people. And if I stop and think about it, I'm a bitter old man. And I'm a bitter old man because my life didn't go the way I thought it was supposed to. Uh, when I got out of St. Joseph's, I had no place to go. I went to Don Bosco for a year. And then I walked away from Don Bosco and I lived on the streets of Burlington uh, for three or four years. I didn't get a lot. I didn't get a lot from St. Joseph's, but I got a lot from St. Joseph. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Their way of doing things may not be correct by today's standards, but I think by the standards of the day when they were there, things were correct. That's the way people did things. Uh, if you didn't obey your father, you're liable to find yourself at the end of the wall. If you didn't obey your father, your mother was, wait till your father gets home. 
And then when your father get home, you got to spank him. So, you know, I learned a lot of things from the orphanage, but I learned a lot of things that I didn't like. And it's brought me to where I am today, which is not good. I'm not in a good place in my head. Uh, Mark thinks I should, I think Mark thinks that he's going to help me if he gets me involved more in this restorative process. You're not, Mark. Uh, where I am today, it's going to take a lot more than that to get me out of it, even though I know you're trying. I appreciate that. Uh, so that's enough for me today. We can wind down your show. Thank you, Walt, so much. Thank you for your transparency and your voice. Um, I look like it is. You sure do. And you know what? We need to hear that. Yeah, we absolutely need to hear people just come from their very most real place. So thank you. Thank you so much. You're Mark, welcome. is there anything you'd like to say as we're winding down? Yeah, I just, um, uh, I have, uh, you know, Walt earlier referenced uh, how much he cares for, for the people in the group, how much he likes members of the group. I, uh, I have uh, not been involved in a restorative process of this nature prior to this you know, working with a group of individuals over the course of over, you know, close to two years at this point um, has been um, deeply impactful to me. I uh, have a, a deep affection for Walt. I have a deep affection for every single member of the group. Each voice is different, uh, but uh, they're powerful. It's a powerful group. Uh, it's not an easy group as Walt has referenced. It's, it, 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 isn't without um, having to, to uh, work through some really difficult experiences, but they are taking at those difficult experiences and they're transforming them into action and change. Uh, and I'm in awe. I, I'm in awe of these people and what they are capable of doing. And if, if, you, uh, if you go to our website, I'll say that, St. Joseph's Restorative Inquiry, uh, you can see the press conference that Walt was referencing uh, on the Voices page. There's a lot of information about the history. Um, to be with these people is to be changed by them, and I certainly have been changed by their 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 presence. So, thank you, thank you, and I really appreciate you uh, creating this opportunity for us. Thank you so much to both of you. This has been one of the most compelling interviews and revealing, and yeah, just a really different interview for me. So, thank you so much. For both of your voices, Walt and Mark, I can't say enough how grateful I am. Yes, go to St. Joseph's Restored, St. Joseph's Inquiry.com um, for more information. And that does it for this week, my friends. Thank you again, Mark and Walt. Um, as always, if you have any questions, you can email me, Anna at StandUpResources.com. I'm your host of this bi weekly show. Thank you so much for joining us on the mend. Be well. Thanks, Anna.